0: Everyone, it's Mark and Annette with Trell and the Angels, powered by Karen the and we're so excited to have you with us today. We have with us a, a you know, someone that uh, Annette and I have been reviewing his uh, background and and uh, his uh, experience, and we thought that he'd be an excellent, excellent guest to talk about. Uh, well, we're, we're going to hold what we're going to be talking about just for a second, but let me introduce each of you to uh, EA Sulkovitz. Uh, EA is uh, is a uh, is an entrepreneur. He's a business consultant. He's a writer and a founder of Givers University. We're going to be talking about his humble beginnings and the fact that he was a son of a milkman born in 1956 in Detroit, Michigan. Go Detroit, Michigan. I I love Detroit. Uh, He's At at the age of 16, he started his own business that uh, he was able to to, to start selling janitorial supplies, and, and, I, and I'm not going to go in and, and talk about uh, all of that here, but he has authored and compiled uh, books, and, and with Giver's University, uh, he's, he's uh, used that idea with his books, Giver's Mindset, Giver's Lifestyle, Giver's Lifelong Learning, and Give to be Great, He's the founder and patriarch of Givers University, that teaches others worldwide about givers and takers. And I'm really excited to be talking about the difference between givers and takers. But uh, EA, I know I I left a lot out of your uh, your biography, but uh, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us today.
1: Well, uh, thank you so much for having me on your great show. And uh, you know, as I was listening to you say all those things, I was thinking, well. My bio's still not as long as my last name. So I gotta get working. I need to, <laughs> I need to get on. I need to get on with it.
2: <laughs> well, you know, EA, when we are talking about last names, yeah. um, my maiden name before it was spliced in half by my grandfather it was Apostolopoulos. So, you know Bless you. Oh, i
1: sorry, I thought you sneaked. my my I
2: <laughs> Understand, you know, yeah. understand those things.
1: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, for sure.
0: But EA, we're we're glad to have you with us. Uh and and you know, one of the things that really uh gave us some some thought about uh having you on was uh, this whole idea between behind givers and takers. But before we get into that, you know you you've got a great uh a great uh bio. If I were to read this all the way through, it would probably take us a half hour just to do that. But but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, some of the things that you're doing with uh, Givers University and and how that came about.
1: I'd be happy to do that. And uh, if I can uh, step back in time in order to do that, to set the stage on really what transpired decades ago that caused Givers University to come about, if I may share that with your listeners. You um, know, I, I was born in Chicago. Uh, lived in an area called Oak Brook, which is a suburb of Chicago. Chicago is a lot of suburbs. And uh and and my father was a milkman. And back then, you know, I'm sixty-five years old now. So back then, you know, when I was five years old, my father had his own route, you know, one man operation, worked for a dairy called Twin Oaks Dairy, and milk came in glass gallon jugs. Uh, you know, and there was uh, always a box outside the house. And you know what was amazing about that is that there was a box outside the house and that was the milkman box and there was always money in it. And, you know, no one ever touched it. Not one single time did anyone ever touch the milkman money, you know, a little different times. Right. And uh, I mean, it really astonishing that, you know, and, and so my father delivered milk. So you know, pretty humble upbringing, you know, and there was this little note in the box and cheese eggs or, you know, uh, juice or milk. And that's pretty much what we did. And at five years old, I remember, and I, and I think that was, The first, I guess, sort of touch with um, being a self-starter because I would watch my father. You know, he didn't punch a time clock and he got up at three in the morning to deliver milk because he had to go to the dairy. And back then, you know, they only the big 18 wheelers were refrigerated. Uh, The smaller trucks like my father had for delivery, they had to go and, you know, cut their own ice and put it in the truck, you know, and that was how the milk stayed cold. So, you know, that's, they started the day at three in the morning. So we'd get up at three in the morning and not go on the route with them at the ripe old age of five years old. And I remember him saying over and over, he said it about every single time I worked with him, which was many times. He said, well, you know what? As soon as we're done, we're done. And, and I remember him saying that. And I, and that sort of taught me that, you know, we can get on with it and it's okay. We don't need to have someone watching over our shoulder. And he didn't have a boss watching over his shoulder and he had his own route. Right. And, uh, and, and then at the ripe old age of 16 years old, I took my first step into wanting to become more prosperous in my life. And I became a janitor. Now, uh, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? <laughs> anyway.
2: So the, uh, and,
1: oh, and, and oh, so, oh. yeah, exactly. Thank you. And, uh, and I have to pay extra for the drum, you know, and anyway, so the so, uh, so at 16 years old, I was able to be bonded, which basically means insured. And that meant that, uh, you know, if my, I was in an expensive place and my buffer went a little crazy and hit some piece of equipment, the insurance company would pay for it. That also allowed me to be in very expensive places, which include very expensive homes. So every Wednesday at 16 years old, I was in a home for a lady, and her name was June Martino. And for many of your listeners, they may not know the name until I make a movie reference. And uh, uh, June uh, was quite an amazing lady. And uh, if any of you have seen the movie, and it's called The Founder. It's with Michael Keaton. He plays Ray Kroc. And uh, and and by the way, that's really not the way it happened. I mean, I lived the experience. I was in Chicago. I'm 65. The whole McDonald's phenomenon happened during my lifetime. I drove by the first McDonald's franchise on in, in, in displays hundreds of times literally because the reason why i also was on my dad's milk route <laughs> <You> know, <so laughs> we, we drove by it on the way home every single day and i remember it said you know one million burgers You know, now they don't even put the numbers anymore but I, mean, yeah. I remember thinking man a million hamburgers that's like a lot of burgers right and uh so uh, june martino when i was 16 years old was already an icon in the movie the founder the name of the movie is the founder michael keaton plays ray Kroc, and ray also wasn't that way. Totally Hollywood spin, um, you know, the drama and the way Hollywood tries to make something more interesting, but there were a lot of events that did happen that were acknowledged in the movie and outside Ray's office, Ray Kroc, Michael Keaton playing him. There's a lady he's always talking to over and over again. That lady's name is the lady. Her name is June Martino. And that's the lady whose house I cleaned every single Wednesday, the lady that's mm-hmm. sat of his office. So one day I I was 16 years old and this was amazing to me. And and that was, you know, up until this point in my life, for some reason, I don't know why it was in my head, but I always thought to be prosperous and successful, um, you had to be a jerk. You had to push down people. You had to be me only oriented me first oriented. You had to be the first one to be able to say it's just business. I hate that saying, by the way, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, You know, whenever they say that I walk right on the spot, I say, you know, as soon as I hear those words, I walk because, you know, it's not just business. It's me. I'm a human being. You know, it's not that you're you just told me you're going to take advantage of me. So I'm not going to stick around while you do it. (laughs) You know, so uh, but I always thought that that was the way it was. And here I meet this lady who and I'm in and I'm astonished by her. I'm in the million dollar house back then, by the way, when I was 16 years old and she has a full time maiden butler. She is so approachable. So nice, so kind, never condescending. She's got a full-time maiden butler. And, and to show you, like if I was looking, to, I was there to buff the floors with a special buffing pad and to clean the the, the swimming pool and the garage. I love to clean the garage, by the way, because in order to clean the garage, I had to pull the Rolls Royce out. So I got, uh-huh. to sit, I got to sit in a car that was worth 10 lifetimes of my income. And then at the end of the day, I went home and drove my car, which was a Rolls Canardly that rolls down <laughs> one hill can hardly make it up the next. So, uh, so I would go home and drive my rolls hardly. but during the day I got to sit in this Rolls of Rice, right? And so I'm thinking people really live like this and I'm watching her, observing her and, and she's, uh, you know, I was just fascinated by her because she was never condescending, very approachable, very kind. And, and even if she walked through the room and I was looking down cause I was buffing the floor and she saw me before I saw her, she would say hi. You know, I mean, I mean, she was just that way and that was astonishing to me that and i'm thinking she's not like an alien she's not she doesn't have any superpower or something what's the deal here you know how did she get so rich i can barely count it on my fingers and toes how many zeros right because at that time she already was an icon and everyone in the area because i lived in northbrook area everyone knew who june martino was right so one day she was in an extra good mood i mustered up all the strength and courage that a not no 16 year old Ken. And I went up to her cause I'm going to ask June Martino a question. I'm not kidding you. I was shaking in my janitorial boots and I went <laughs> and, 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 and I went, you know, then there's steel toe boots, you know, those little things. And uh, so, and, and, okay, uh, cause cause she dropped a buffer on it. You gotta be careful of your toes. So I, I went up to her and I said, uh, hi June. And she, again, always so astonishing how approachable she was. She'd say, hi, you know, just sort of smiling. And, and I'd say, uh, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, "Could you tell me about it?" And she said, "What?" And I said, "Well, the whole McDonald's thing." I had asked her in the morning, and I'm not kidding. She put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen, and the entire day we sat in the kitchen. She told me the story, and in the movie, I don't. Did you catch the movie by any chance? Did you see the film? Yeah, we have. Okay, all right. If you, it, you know, if you, if you notice in the beginning of the movie, Ray is a milkshake mixer salesman, right? Uh-huh. She starts the story there, where she's working for Ray before he even met the brothers. Before I even met the McDonald's, that's where she starts telling me the story. She was working for him already, right? Selling milkshake mixers, right? And uh and, and that part was all true. So she tells me the whole story all the way through, step by step, all day long, up to the moment we're sitting in her kitchen. She even has the maid and butler bringing us food so she can keep telling me the story while we're in the kitchen. And I keep thinking, wonder you know. I'm like the sixteen-year-old. Who's she <laughs> talking to? You know, I mean, this is astonishing. This is this is June Martino. What she, you know, just, the investment of time was astonishing to me. And she just laid it all out. And there was one time, and by the way, it's referenced in the movie. And she had obviously told me this decades before the movie came out, and and the event was true, not the way it's portrayed in the movie. But there was a time where June, because she kept the books, she went to Ray, Michael Keaton. And said, we don't have any money. We're not making any money. Money's going out. it's coming in. There was zero money left. She referenced that and told me that story. And she agreed. And she said, I agreed to keep working for Ray with no pay. She said, I had to because there was no pay anyway. There was no money there. And she said, and he agreed to give me worthless company stock, worth less than zero. And he would take some of the phone calls from the bill collector so they wouldn't have me on the phone. So I asked her. I just said, you know, June, I'm a janitor. I mean, you know, I work paycheck to paycheck. If I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing on Saturday. I need the paycheck. I got to have that paycheck. Why did you do it? And she sat back and did this eye lock on me and left the room while she's staring at me. I could tell she's no longer in the room. She's just staring right at me. And she did this for about 10 seconds and, and and I was starting to feel uncomfortable. I'm thinking, do, 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 do. you know, because I mean? she's staring at me. And I mean, just, and I could tell she's truly thinking, why did she do this? And I, 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 I realized no one had ever asked. I just asked her a question. No one, I guess ever did. Everyone always wanted to know what happened with McDonald's, but no one ever asked why. So when I asked her why it took her back and she really genuinely wanted to answer that question properly. When she spoke, I remember the way she said it so much. So it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck with what she said, the way she said it. And I remember my first instantaneous thought after she said what she said. So when I asked her, June, why'd you do it? Why'd you keep working for no pay? I wouldn't do that. Why'd you? She replied and said, because I believed in Ray. And I remember my first thought, that's it. That's the answer. I need to find me a Ray Kroc. I because it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. Yeah. She's doing pretty good. And, uh, you know, I'm cleaning this million dollar home, a million dollar home back then, right? In this place yeah. called Ginger Creek, which is a suburb of the Chicagoland area. It was actually adjoining a part of Oakbrook, really. But it's called Ginger Creek. Beautiful, you know, these beautiful homes in there. And uh, she even bought three homes for her sons in there. I mean, you know, and I cleaned those houses too. So so I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. That's it. I need to find a Ray Kroc. Now, this is very important. I did something impetuously, ignorantly, as a 16-year-old many times would. And I inadvertently, not on purpose, did one right thing. I asked the right question. And the question I asked was, man, where's my Ray Kroc? Where would I find my Ray Kroc? That was it. I had no idea at that point. I didn't know what a mentor was. I didn't even know how to spell it. I had already spent my hooked on phonics money. So I didn't know what mentor was, you know. By the way, that's a reference only for certain people in your audience that would know the commercial for the hooked on phonics, right? And uh, so, <laughs> I like to throw those references to see who's was really listening. But the, uh, and so, so I'm thinking to myself, where do I find my Ray right crock? Now, pause. One of the things my business mentor taught me which is critical in life is that our lives really do, whether we know it or not become self-fulfilling prophecies. And he taught me and drilled in my mind over and over again, people live backwards because they always want the answer wrong. Don't look for the answer. There is no answer and there's always an answer. He said, and I remember him drilling this into me over and over again. They said, the answers are omnipresent. They're all around you. They're always there. They always will be there. He said, people are always trying to find the answer and that's the wrong thing. They're, they're looking for the wrong thing. He said, what they should be looking for is the right question. Mm-hmm. And when we focus on asking the right question, just like the person says, how come everything always happens wrong to me? Guess what? They always get that answer by having Things always happen wrong. And by the way, you know, I had to actually re-label that in my mind right then at that instant because I know that that's not true in my life. And that's because he taught me that, you know, that be careful of the questions you ask, because you will always find those answers and our lives become self-fulfilling prophecies resulting from the manifested questions that we have asked ourselves. That's our beauty, uh, uh, the gift from God of our freedom of choice. We have the choice to choose our own thoughts. And people sometimes just hand that to other people and say, here, you think for me. Uh, Or here, you you ask the questions for me. I'm just going to repeat those. When in fact, we should discern and think of the questions properly that we truly want to get the answers for and ask them. So I inadvertently asked, where's my Ray Kroc? I didn't say I'm never going to find a Ray Kroc because guess what? I probably would have never found him. I never, and I said, where is he? You know, I mean, I just, I, I just sort of thought, well, there's a Ray Kroc. He's out there somewhere. I just got to find out where he is. And sure enough, it wasn't three or four months later. Got a phone call at the janitorial service. Same one same where I was still working. And, and I was, and I was talking with the boss late at night, same as Jerry. And uh, it was in Addison, Illinois, another, you know, Chicago's got a lot of, lot of suburbs. And so the janitorial service was in Addison. And uh, so it was after hours after dinner time, actually. And I already punched out and there was a time clock. So when I punched out, you know, you felt like punching out because you hate being a janitor. Right. I mean, you know, my fun time is getting free songs on a jukebox at two in the morning. that I'm cleaning <laughs> bowling alleys, you know, I mean, so, you know, there's not a whole lot of fun in being a janitor. Right. So Uh, So the phone rings and Jerry picks up the phone a couple minutes later, hangs up the phone and uh, he goes, well, that's some guy He just called from Detroit. He's uh, opening a diamond store here in Berkeley, Illinois, another suburb of Chicago, and uh, they're doing a rebuild inside. They need some new carpeting for this diamond store and he needs to see some carpeting because he's leaving on a plane tomorrow back to Detroit. And I said, "Uh, "Okay, uh, what's that got to do with me? He Well, I need you to go. I said, no, I'm not going. Now we're going to count how many times I say no. So I said, no, I'm not going. Jerry, I'm tired is the owner's name. I said, you know, I've been cleaning all day. I'm physically exhausted. There's nothing, there's no steam left. He goes, no, I need you to go. I need you to bid out this carpet job. I said, Jerry, I'm not going. No, number two. I said, I don't know anything about carpeting. I said, I can vacuum it. I can shampoo it. I said, but I've never bit out a carpet job. I don't know how to do that. And he gave me one of these wheels. He said, well, you walk this way and this way on the room and call me on the phone. I'll bit it." said, Jerry, I'm not going. I'm not going to go. I'm sorry. I've already punched out. That's it. I'm done. He said, I'll tell you what. Now, I've said no three times. Notice. He said, I'll tell you what. If you go, I'll give you your pick of any Saturday you want off. Mm-hmm. Now, for a janitor that's a huge negotiation chip because we're a 16 year old janitor <laughs> oh for sure for sure right you know that's driving a rolls canardly you know and uh so so here so i'm thinking okay i want to make sure i didn't get my ears trick right there so i'm going to repeat it back so i said any saturday i went off and he said yeah any saturday because We clean when businesses are closed. So Saturday morning to night, we're cleaning all day, right? So this is a Saturday off. This is just crazy. How could this happen to me? This is great. So I said, okay, Jerry. So I loaded up and I'm throwing samples in the back of my rolls Canardly, and I'm heading over. (laughs) Set the stage for your listeners. I don't want to go. I've said no three times. I'm physically exhausted, mentally fatigued, I don't care about that. I've never been to Detroit. I mean, I don't know this guy from Detroit who cares about that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not doing it as a favor for my boss. I'm doing this for one reason. and One reason only guess what that is Saturday off.
0: That's it. The Saturday.
1: That's the only reason. Little do I know. I'm getting ready. To meet the man. That will change the trajectory of my life forever the man who will become the father i never had even though i have a father i will become the son he never had even though he had a son and he will be the man that will be my mentor my ray crock that i asked for and i'm saying no 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 so i'm sharing with your listeners be observant be aware of those moments in time that seem at that moment so insignificant on the thin edge of a dime that are so small that are about ready to make the hugest, most impactful change in your life and for the better. So here I am and I meet this guy and uh, I can share with you that have you ever had the opportunity where you've met someone and you feel so comfortable that you feel like you've almost known them before. Have you ever had that thing where you just, you we, we, we I, have, I have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just, you just, you're so comfy. You feel like, man, I could talk to them about anything. And so I did. I, for about two hours, and I got to remember the phone call came to the janitorial service after dinner time. So this is the middle of the night already. And I'm talking to this guy for a couple hours in this building that's going to be rebuilt out inside for this diamond store. So, you know, the, the carpet was a no-go because he wanted something real plus for a diamond store, and we just had commercial office grade, right? So I put the carpet samples back in my rolls Canardly, and uh, I'm starting to leave, and he offers me a job. I say no again. I said, no I, no, I didn't know anything about diamonds. And he said, well, I'll teach you. I said, no. The only thing I know about diamonds, I know two things. Number one, they're really expensive. And number two, someday a woman's going to ask me for one. That's all I know about diamonds. He says, no, I'll teach you. Come work. I said, no, no, no. I'm all set. People will always make a mess. I can always clean it up. I have job security. And I said, no, now six times and I left. And as I was leaving, little did I know, I was actually talking to a true genius, not the IQ baloney kind of genius, because I think that's baloney. Um, I mean, because I've met a lot of educated idiots in my life. I mean, I mean, you know, that have no wisdom and no application skills whatsoever, just educated idiots. And I say that lovingly, but in my opinion, that's what they, what they are, you know, but I mean, really genuine IQ genius, the kind of human engineering kind of person that can talk with someone for 10 minutes and get everything about them and know their story that where their mind is wired and everything in 10 minutes or less, right? It was, it was uncanny. I watched him do it years later and man, he was on, on, on. You know, he just it was so insightful. And I didn't know that he was about ready to really get me. So as I was walking out the door, he said something that he knew would grind me. As I was walking out, he said, and I remember, I even remember the tone he used. He said, what do you have to lose? You could always go back being a janitor. And I said, no, no, no. And I walked out. Right. So now I'm driving home. And it's getting to me. It's grinding me. You know what? What do you mean by that? What are you trying Of course, like, well, I, I can always go back being a janitor. And, and he's right about that. Not only thing about diamonds, over you know, and, and it's grinding, it's grinding. Halfway home. And by the way, it's almost midnight now. I turn around. I say, you know what? I mean, <laughs> I was actually miffed. And I said, you know what? I'm going to find out exactly what he meant by that. He knew that that would do that to me. So I, I turned around and I think, well, he's probably gone. He's got to go in the airplane. No, he's still there. I said, OK, what do you have in mind? For the next four months, I got in the car at four in the morning, Chicago, four in the morning, Friday, Saturday morning, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning, four in the morning, (sighs) got in the car, drove 301 miles. I remember the exact miles from Chicago to Detroit, met with him for six hours and drove all the way home the same day, did all of that four months in a row in the heart of winter And driving through the middle of Michigan, by the way, and going through Ann Arbor and you go through Benton Harbor in the wintertime and all of a sudden you see these snow drifts, you know, twice the size of your car. Yeah, that was the middle of winter. Every single weekend for four months in a row, I never missed a weekend because all the way up for six hours driving. I would think about all the questions I was going to ask them. It had to be exhausting because I, was, I, I had to be like a jackhammer on a street corner doing street repair just with my questions. Boom, 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 boom. The whole time I was talking to them because I wanted to know these answers. And then driving home, I would contemplate the answers. Why? Because I was what you call intelligently ignorant. That means I wasn't too smart for my own good. And I, I didn't have any problem with saying, you know what? I don't know. Will you please teach me? And I knew he knew it. I knew he was. I knew he was a multimillionaire. I knew, I knew that already, and, and I knew he was rich and successful. Not even real. And, and and I wanted to be rich and happy. Not realizing, by the way, I even had that backwards because we should be happy and then rich. But sixteen years old, I'm all about the money, right? Yeah, I, you know, I want to get rid of my Rolls Royce. And uh, so so I started working for him. And then at 19 years old, I asked him a question. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? I don't want you to hold back. Everything, teach it all to me, please. And he said, okay, I'll teach you. He said, but I want one thing from you. I want you to know, no matter what he said next, I'm totally in yes mode. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> so he said, this is what I want from you. When the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many other people as you can everything that I teach you. So at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath. I made a commitment that today is manifest as what we know as givers university. And I still believe even today as my Karen the load marker, my trail angel, not only was it June Martino who enlightened me and opened my eyes that you didn't have to be superhuman to be prosperous and that you could be truly happy and successful. But then the person who showed me how to do it step by step and proved to me so many times he was out for me more than I was out for me because of the mistakes I was about ready to make, that he knew. And he always told me, he says, you know, it's not because I'm so smart. He says, I've made more mistakes than most 10 people put together. And you see, and I think that's a part of, you know, as we supplant education for wisdom, and, and wisdom begins to unveil itself in our lives, and and we begin to learn some things, like some of the things he drilled in me that I can share with your listeners that I think are really important nuggets of information. One of the things Sam taught with me, Sam Rappins was his name. He said, remember the following: every adversity, not some, not a few, not once in a while. Every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. He said, it's going to be up to you to move aside those leaves and find those seeds. And when you do, you will realize that that's exactly what you needed to get to the next step. That's exactly what you needed. Without that adversity, you would not have the seeds. And without those seeds, you wouldn't go up the next step. And the next thing I'm going to share with both of you will bake the noodle of some of your listeners when I say this, because when I say this, they're going to say, this guy EA is off his rocker. He is <laughs> off, he, has in, he has fallen off those rocks that I'm looking at on the screen. He is <laughs> off those rocks, right? And they have hit him in the head, right? So, they, and here's what he taught me. Here it comes. When we really, really begin to understand, truthfully, in our heart of hearts, what adversity means in our life, we will begin to welcome and embrace it. Because we will begin to learn that those are the things we need It's up to us to move aside the leaves. That's our part. We have to do that. But when we do, we will see those seeds and they'll be there and we'll say, that's it. That's the reason I'm here. That's what I was meant to learn. This is what I am meant to do in my life. And for those who have no hope, they will perish. And that's hope is very important for us. And when we realize that those seeds are there and those adversity, we can now look at adversity and not something that we can fear. But now we realize in that adversity, when I move that seed outside. My hope is there. My future is there. The seeds I need for the next step, the next step up. So that later on, as I begin to welcome these adversities and I embrace them in my life, now I'm not going to walk up those stairs. I can now start running up them because I'm not coming from a position of failure and a position of fear anymore in my life. I know that I'm getting the things I need and I'm relabeling them in my mind as they're happening. My business mentor said, get rid of the word failure, throw it away get it out of your vernacular, he said, because it's too terminal. It's too eternal. When you say failure, you're out of the game. He said to supplant that with the words temporary defeat. He said, because temporary defeat is like being tackled. You're going to stand up. And when you stand up, you're going to realize you got a first down. And when you're a first down, you're in the game. Don't throw yourself out of the game by saying you're a failure or thinking. So when a person says I'm such a failure. Why am I such a failure? Well, guess what? Number one, I just had to rechange that in my mind. I had to relabel it when I said it because I don't believe that in my life. But also, we have the freedom of choice. Life is a blessing. And every single adversity is a great blessing because they teach us patience. They teach us hope. They teach us perseverance. They teach us all the things we need to learn. And I've heard a great, and one of the things my business mentor taught me, which was a great phrase. He said, do you know that great people bring great times and great times brings weak people and weak people bring hard times and hard times brings great people and great people bring great times. And Mm -hmm. so it continues. And he said, remember that as we go through our life, as we do, remember, keep hope alive in your life. It's always there. There's always a reason. And I can share hopefulness with you and important things that, and I was very, very blessed. I had a radio talk show and I interviewed 1,000 millionaires in two years. And I was able to ask them so many great questions off the air that helped my education. And, you know, I, I, in fact, so many of the interviews, I mean, they were for me, you know, I mean, I want I wanted to ask them questions off the air that I really was intrigued. And I can share with you some things about a thousand over a thousand millionaires commonalities. Number one, they all not some of them, not a few of them, all of them had a time in their life where everything told them, do not do the first, the next step. Give up, throw in the towel. Their family told them, their finances told them, business associates told them, the economy told them, the list went on and on. But it was evident that they were being told, do not do the next step, throw in the towel, give up, throw away hope forever. And, do you know, the next thing that many of them said, now you got to remember, these are people that said the same thing, didn't know each other. I interviewed them separately at different, even times, different industries. And yet, amazingly enough, they even use the same words Sometimes some of them said the following words. And it was so interesting. It was fascinating to me. These commonalities between all of them. And one of the things they said was, do you know, I took the next step out of curiosity to just see if I had missed anything, if there was anything else that could go wrong that I missed. (laughs) And I said, I just, I, I took the next step just to, to see, is there any, it was like a morbid curiosity and a fascination. Did I miss anything that could go wrong? Cause I think I've hit them all. There's nothing left. And they took that next step. And then they all said the next thing when they did. It was amazing what happened that when they did that next step, when everything, and I mean everything, everything told them not to, things began to work out almost effortlessly on their own. They said things started to connect. Things started to come together. They said it was weird. It wasn't, it was like, and then all of a sudden it was the other extreme. Things were coming together almost in spite of me. Not because of me, in spite of me, and and they said because I did that next step. I and, and that's why I appreciate at the end of the founder movie with Ray Kroc, he does the you know the speech on persistence, which which is very germane. You know it is that we need to keep giving up and or not giving up, but keep doing the next step, and with the right frame of mind, and that's our gift. We got that gift from God that we have the freedom of choice, and that choice includes our ability to frame events in our own mind. Our ability to think, what does this event mean to me and how do I want to view this event? I'm not going to let the event control me. As my business mentor, again, to share with you, I said, you always want to be responding, not reacting. He said, I can give you an example. He said, we'll use the medical community. If you were in getting some medical treatment And the doctor came out and said, they're reacting. Well, that's probably not good, right? I mean, they're not reacting to whatever the treatment is. Now, if the doctor came out and said, they're responding, well, that's good, right? That's a good thing. He said, you always want to be in responsive mode, not reactive mode. And here's how you do it. When your intellect is controlling your emotions, you are responding. When your emotions are controlling your intellect, you are reacting. And nothing good will come out of that. Mm. He said, be in responsive mode. Have your intellect. You have that freedom of choice. Have that intellect. Control your emotions. Because if not, they are going to control you. And we see all the time in the Flynn Daily negative. Another reference, right? Flynn Daily. No one knows who (laughs) they are. The negative news, I used to call it years ago. The Flynn Daily negative news, right? Uh, We see the reference of all these people who uh, have their emotions controlling their intellect. And they're strictly reacting. They're not responding. So when we're more, when we have a more responsive life, when we have a life that's filled with hope, when we have a life that we know that no matter what adversity, that the healing is there for us. But we have to move us. Our part is moving upside the leaves. It's already there. It's not like we have to craft it or make it up. It's there already we just have to move over the leaves and find it and the seeds are there and then we can take and do the next step of having a prosperous life
2: you know ea i am loving this conversation and just this week i've been reading some of the comments that that some of our followers are making with regards to hope and moving forward and in particular one gentleman said, "I feel like giving up. I can't take that next step." And it was so interesting to me to read the replies that others made to him before I even saw this. And it was, "Don't give up. When you take that next step, this is what you'll find. This adversity has placed you in the in a position to grow, to learn to become even more of who you want to be, that better self, and to be able to give. And everything you're saying is spot on with what Mark and I've been talking about and why we have care on the load and why we have trail angels. It's because of the adversity that we've experienced in our lives that we haven't given up, that we have moved those leaves we found the seed and we planted the seed i believe you know that next step is the action that we have to do something with that knowledge that intellect to move forward and and create and and have those dreams become the reality
1: absolutely totally totally agree uh, look at that! We haven't even talked about givers and takers yet, right?
0: <laughs> we, we, we have, but I'll tell you as I, as we listen to you and uh, tell your story, uh, you know, it's it's like first of all, where, where do you even start with questions at this point uh, here? Because uh, because uh, you you shared so many different thoughts that uh, could go so many different directions, but some of the some of the gives and takes <laughs> that, that that I take uh, from from this conversation so far is the importance of mentorship. For sure. And, uh, you know, as, as we talk about uh, failure and as we talk about the fact that we 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 see people all around us who are content with failure. Yes. That, that might seem odd to say, but I think that there are so many people that are content with failure because they'd rather go around than through. And, and we see that so often. But, you know, I, I, I probably don't even need to ask this question, but the importance of mentors in our lives uh, as, as you talked about uh, June Martino, and as you've talked about Sam Robbins, and, and there are so many others, and those 1,000 people that you talked to that were millionaires, they all have mentors in their life. They all had those that that uh, helped them to achieve the level. We don't get through life by ourselves, especially if we're successful. We don't get through that by ourselves. We might think that we are, but all of a sudden that uh, humility is no longer and, and and we lose the ability to learn and to grow. So as EA as we talk about uh, mentorship, how can we be a mentor to someone else, especially someone that is is uh, struggling, someone that might be having a difficult time in their life for whatever reason, whether it's health, whether it's finances, anything else? How can we be a mentor?
1: You just asked it. There's the question. And uh, and the it's uh, it's almost rhetoric. Your question's almost rhetorical <laughs> because the fact is when someone asks the question you just did, that answer is always going to be there because our lives are self-fulfilling prophecies. So simply by asking that, the, the way you asked it, as a matter of fact, the answer will always be there. We will find those people. And uh, to digress just for a moment to address one thing you said, my business mentor used to say humorously, he said, you know. There isn't an 11th commandment, but if there was, it should have been. Thou shalt not shoot too low in life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I always thought that that was great because so many times we do and we, you know, and, and we give up, we throw in the towel. And and a lot of it has to do with those that are around us as I can. And, and mentoring is critical. And usually I have found the more successful someone is the more when you are genuine. See, everyone's so today, they're so interested in looking good. I want to look smart. I want to look like I have my act together. And you see, it's the humble one that's going to win. The humble one that's willing to say, you know what? I don't know that. Could you teach me that? I'd love to learn that and really mean it. And you'll watch these really successful or prosperous people or people that can be great mentors in your life will just open up like June did. I think June sensed that I really genuinely wanted to know. I wasn't just asking because I wanted to endear myself to this icon. She knew I really genuinely wanted to know, you know, what, what happened? You know, I, I was very, I genuinely was curious and fascinated by this whole thing. I was sitting in this house I was in. Right. And, and so I think that's a part of it is being able to humble ourselves and being able to say, you know, how can I learn that? Where can I learn that? Where can I meet someone who could teach me that? Where can I meet someone like the one gentleman who said had put in, a, you know, a response in a post? The next question they should ask is, where can I meet someone who can teach me how not to give up, but how to take the next step? So that's the great question, right? That's the question to ask, because then that person shows that's the way it works. Ask the right question and then we get the next step. So the mentors are there and are all around us. And with Givers University, we're going to do some very exciting things, specifically with mentors. Uh, We're working on some projects that will be forthcoming in the future. Uh, And and I'd like to share, if I can, a little bit about that, uh, you know, as as we can migrate into, you know, Givers University and, and, and really what we do, because it's part and parcel. All of the things my mentor taught me, all of the things that I learned from these thousand millionaires, all got condensed into a series of three courses called Give to Be Great. Now notice it's not take to be great, it's no. give to be great, right? And 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 hence you know the three books, give givers mindset, courses, they're actually courses, online courses, gi- givers mindset, givers lifestyle, and givers lifelong learning. And these are great, impactful courses. And here's the thing that I can ask your listeners getting into what we actually do. And I would ask you listeners to think about the fires. You stomp out each day. Think about the times when your stress level spikes and goes straight through the roof each day. Think about the times where you have conversations with people. You don't even remember what the conversation is about anymore, but you do know one thing for sure. You have no more energy left. They just drained it all from you. All three of those people, all three of those instances, All have one thing in common there's a name attached to them and one thing that we teach that is not being taught and i do one to three podcasts a day uh and i can share with you that i know for a fact this is not being taught by anyone else or any other entity and that is discernment in relationships so i share with your listeners we love everybody i emphatically say we love everybody And we teach people how to discern, a.k.a. separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. Mm. And by watching the things they do, not broad, innocuous swaths of information that sound good. And after we hear them, we go, "Okay, what do I do with that? We have a much more granular approach, and I we've actually identified these are the actual deeds you should be watching and observing. Example, if right now, and that if you had, uh, I'll just say, if maybe you had uh, itchy eyes and a runny nose from observing those symptoms, I could begin to assess and discern you may have a cold, right? right? I'm not able to see the cold, the cold is the cause. But the symptoms that I observe are teaching me that. Supplant the symptoms with deeds. So we teach people observe these deeds, the actual things they're doing, not these. There's like one guy said those few interviews ago. He said, "He's man, you know, this is great stuff. I love this. I read a book, and the book said I got to surround myself with five people." And I said, "You're right. You do need to do that." Question: Which five? <laughs> And he went, um, you know, I had these little orphan Annie eyes on the screen. That's all I saw. I said, do you get my point? No one's teaching us how to discern which five. I'm a self-improvement person. Obviously, the both of you are. Many of your listeners are. And if not, they should be on a regular self-improvement course. One of the most important self-improvement things I do, I do every day is I read the Bible cover to cover every single year. Cover to cover. And I have other self-improvement books I participate in as well. And, the, and, the, and this is a part of a regiment that I do every morning. I do the same thing like clockwork. And, and we need to have a regiment because that helps us with hope. It helps us move ahead with our lives. So we teach people to be able to advance in their lives by discerning other relationships and what people are doing, observing their deeds. Now, so when we say giver, we're not labeling a person because we don't label people, we're labeling the deeds. We lay, When we say giver, we're saying giver deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person as a taker. We're labeling the deeds of a taker. So we teach people, look for these things. And because when you see them do certain things, now you may want to pull them in closer into your life, become a part of your giver community. We all should want to build a giver community around ourselves because givers bring with them the three W's of givers, wisdom, wealth, and wellness. By contrast, if we see them doing other certain deeds, we may want to begin discerning and respectfully distancing ourselves, not rude or insensitive or nasty, respectfully distancing ourselves because takers bring with them the three Ds of a taker, which is defeatism, disruption, and destruction. And if I bring them closer into my life, I'm going to become unwilling collateral damage. And I'm going to be stomping out fires that are not of my making. And what's my productivity going to do? Go straight through the floor. What's my stress level going to do? Go straight through the roof. I want to have people around me that are giving me energy because I'm giving them energy back. So we teach people, look for these things, discern. So we teach people how to discern their relationships. Example, I was very blessed in becoming a commercial pilot in years past to fly my planes. And, I, and one of the things, the very first thing my instructor taught me when I was getting my private pilot ticket, We sat in the plane the first day and he says, I'm going to teach you something about looking out the window. I said, okay. He said, whenever you look out the window, whenever you see a plane, you always want to see the plane go from this size to this size. You never want to see the plane go from this size to this size while you're looking at it. He said, because when you see it go that way, it's coming at you and it might be 600 knots closure. So, be discerning, watch it from a distance. So, what do we teach people? The plane, the plane. We <laughs> teach people, it's getting closer and another, closer. Another reference. <laughs> we teach people, look at these things, discern in your relationships, and watch how your productivity goes up. I'm self improvement, you're self improvement, your listeners are self improvement, but no one today is teaching. How about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do about that? And that's what we teach. What do we do about that? How do we build that relationship of the right kind of people around us? And one of the things as two of the final notes I'd like to share with your listeners as I think are very important nuggets, that is number one, they may have some people in their life right now. Maybe a family member. That's being a little, let's say, takerish. And, you know, they're thinking as they're listening to me talk here, and they're thinking, you know, boy, this is great stuff. I'll tell you what, I know someone in my family needs to hear stuff. I mean, you know, they're being a little takerish. And and I want to broach a subject with them, but I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. But it needs to be discussed. They're being takerish here. Do you know that one of the best things they could do is share a podcast called Trail angels carrying the load. And they should share it with them and be a giver and share it. And here's why. It's a third-party approach. It's a great way to share something with them and simply say, you know what? I heard a really thought-provoking, it really made me think a thought-provoking podcast. And they, they do me a favor, listen to it. Tell me what you think. You never know. It might open their mind up. And you may have one less fire you're stopping out in your life. Because you were a giver and you shared with them. And the last thing I'd like to share with you, which is, I think, paramount to those that are listening to your great podcast. And I think that this is, this is really, really important because it's something that my business mentor taught me to say to myself every day. And for those that want to have hope, those that want to keep hope alive, those that are seeking the change they want to have in their life so that they can find the meaning and fulfillment that they want so they can be happy and then prosperous because wealth is not necessarily money. And and, And these are the three things that my business mentor taught me to say to myself in a concluding golden nugget. I'd love to be able to share with your listeners. And that is as follows. These are the three things he taught me to say every day, and I've been saying them every day, and I can tell you they work wonders, and every one of your listeners should begin saying these three things every day, and they are as follows. I will never give up, I will keep rising up, and I will always overcome.
0: Profound. Profound. Thank, thank you so much, EA. You know, like I said a few minutes ago, I wouldn't even know where to start with asking questions here because uh, you have addressed some of the uh, so, some of the uh, issues that uh, we have questions on every single day as we talk to people, and uh, I, I love I love the fact that. Uh, if I were to take anything and I took so many nuggets and Annette and I have been writing notes like crazy.
2: I, I have had to open up another notebook. <laughs> I ran out of yeah. you know, pages. Yeah. It's,
0: not, it, it's not very often that we're speechless when it comes to our podcast, but we've purposely been speechless because you have had so much wisdom. And as you've talked about uh, responding versus reacting, as you've talked about uh, becoming the mentor, that uh, is within each of us, and and I and I just want to reiterate those three nuggets that you left us with. I will never give up. I will keep rising up, and I will always overcome. I I, I love that. Those are those are great mantras uh, to to share with yourself. We don't need to share them with anybody else, but with ourselves every single day.
2: And I can t- commit right now that I am going to say those to myself. Every Thank day. you so
0: much. Thank you so much.
1: What a great gift that is to me. Thank you.
2: So and, and EA just one more thing, you know, I the power of the discernment in in relationships. I the key, you know, the value of that and you're right. We don't hear that often. We hear don't judge. Okay. Right. Don't judge. Well, we're not judging here, but there is that discernment in our relationships. And honestly, as I'm thinking here, as you've been sharing these things, and I thought, you know what? For some reason, I was blessed with that desire and that gift to see and to have that discernment in others because I always watched. And and those people that I respected and I thought so highly of, I incorporated those things that they were doing that were that that helped them to become better their children to be better those around them to be better i i wanted to be like them i asked the questions i watched and then i incorporated them and so i feel like it's because of that gift of discernment in relationships that i am who i am today and i'm go. where i am today and not some scumbag on the street corner who who is a taker
0: <laughs>
2: that's
1: great
0: so so just uh i got to ask you a fun question to to uh, finish our conversation with uh michael keaton played ray Kroc. yes who played the janitor <laughs> <laughs> well, who, that would have been me. Who would have been? would have been? A, <laughs> I played the janitor. I was. Who, who would have played the janitor if the janitor yeah. played a part? Yeah, that that would have been me. You know, I mean,
1: uh, <laughs> back in the background, you know, the you know the, the the guy with the bucket and the mop in his hand, you know, saying, you know, look at that, look at that, look at that, you know. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's such a great you know. And again, I I, I reference for the listeners, you know, it's Hollywood spin, but either way, it was based on events that actually did happen and because of that it's, it's certainly a good watch. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and I truly pray that we are able to impact people and uh, and and provoke some thought that's going to help them move ahead, help them retain hope and keep hope alive and be discerning in relationships and realize having the wrong people around us that are takerish in their deeds, not judging people but their deeds. Those people can have a direct impact on our hope. They can have a direct impact on our change. And it's just like when we were kids, when we found someone else, you know, next thing you know, we're saying the same thing there. And there used to be a joke. Used to say, you owe me a Coke because you said the same thing that say at the same moment they said it. Proof that we say those things when we're around those people and we become like that. And so let's be discerning and who those relationships are and uh, go to giversuniversity.com, meet us, uh sign up for our newsletter uh we have a free newsletter we don't pelt your emails i don't believe in doing that we send out one email a week that has helpful nurturing nuggets that are going to help you discern and help you in your life you know i, I say that you, know, you sign up for something next thing you know you're getting six emails a day and i'm like unsubscribe unsubscribe and i you know so you know we and we're going to give them some free downloads we want them to have one of them i love that's called the 25 dues these are the actual deeds to watch for the 25 things that givers do that you should be watching for them to do, or by contrast, that takers are not doing. And, uh, they're going to, so they go to givers, plural givers, And, uh, they'll be able to sign up for our newsletter there. And, uh, um, we look forward to being able to share with them and benefit. And thank you so much for having on your great show. And also, uh, you know, God bless what you're doing. I, I think, you know, the more, People are aware of the importance of trail angels in their life, the more they're going to realize how it's important to have those around them and how they can so positively move us ahead at so much faster and easier speed because we can learn from them, people who willingly want to give.
0: Yes. Thank thank you, EA, And, and thank you listeners for joining us today as well. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with uh, EA Solkovitz, as we've discussed. And, and you know, we, we could probably fill in the blank as we've discussed. Uh, but, but, I'm, but I'm going to say responding versus reacting and not giving up. There, there's so much that we've talked about here. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences that our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and to connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen.